This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialist. Good morning. In today's headlines, NBA star Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets offers up some apologetic words. This for a recent social media post that caused backlash for some alleged anti-Semitic content. A former Los Angeles police captain has come under scrutiny. He is accused of leaking confidential information about a sexual assault case to a former CBS executive. It's the final stretch on the campaign trail before midterms in New York. Big names came out to support candidates in the governor's race. Former President Trump worked up the crowd at a rally in Iowa. Find out what he said to tease a possible 2024 run. And meet a pony from Germany that not only helps children and seniors, but could also be on track to be named the smallest pony in the world. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. It's Friday today, November 4th. Yeah, and talk about Kyrie Irving. He's back in the headlines again. I remember near the beginning of the fall when he had to sit out a few home games until the city lifted its vaccine mandate. And he even said his decision to not get the vaccine cost him a $100 million extension. Yeah, that's right. And now a star guard, Kyrie Irving, apologized late yesterday for posting a link to a documentary. He now says it contained false anti-Semitic statements. Irving has faced heavy criticism since sharing the link on Twitter and defending the post over the weekend. The seven-time All-Star has since deleted the post. He apologized to those hurt from the hateful remarks in the documentary and said he took full responsibility for his decision to share the content. Irving said the film contained some false anti-Semitic statements, narratives and language that were untrue and offensive to the Jewish race or religion. Before he posted his apology, the Nets suspended him for at least five games. Irving was frequently in the news during the COVID pandemic for refusing to get vaccinated. He says he gave up four years and over $100 million for his stance. The former captain in charge of the Hollywood division of the Los Angeles Police Department has come under scrutiny. He is said to have leaked information to former CBS leader Les Moonves. Corey Palka previously served as private bodyguard for Moonves. Prosecutors say he leaked a sexual assault victim's confidential police report to Moonves, who was accused in the case. The LAPD said it was conducting an internal affairs investigation into Palka's conduct. The state attorney general was probing any criminal elements after reports said he conspired with CBS to conceal sexual assault allegations against Moonves. It comes after a settlement was announced Wednesday by New York Attorney General Letitia James in which CBS and Moonves agreed to pay over $30 million. It is shocking that a high-level captain in the Los Angeles Police Department <clears throat> decided to reveal a victim's complaint and chose to help a big corporation at the expense of a woman who alleged to law enforcement that she had been sexually assaulted. Celebrity always equates to power and influence, and it becomes very troubling when you have a town of celebrities uh, that have access to the police, whether they have a dual role where they provide security and they hobnob with one another. 
Palka provided private security for Moonves at the Grammy Awards from 2008 until 2014. He has rubbed shoulders with Hollywood's elite and was personally thanked during Mark Hamill's star ceremony and posed with Hamill, Harrison Ford and George Lucas. The Hollywood Chamber Community Foundation honored him in 2019 as one of the heroes of Hollywood. He was a frequent fixture on red carpets and at Walk of Fame ceremonies, posing with celebrities like Linda Carter, Jack Black, and Stacey Keach. He also ran security for the Oscars. And former President Trump teased a 2024 presidential run in Iowa yesterday. He was there to rally support for GOP candidates Governor Kim Reynolds and Senator Chuck Grassley, among others. Here's what he had to say. In order to make our country successful and safe and glorious, I will very, very, very probably do it again, okay? Very, very, very probably. Very, very, very probably. Oh, that's nice. Well, get ready. That's all I'm telling you very soon. Get ready. Get ready. It was the third time Trump has hinted at another run for president. He has yet to declare it officially. Associates of the former president say it could happen after the midterms. Trump is on a final blitz on the campaign trail to boost support for Republican candidates. He next heads to Pennsylvania on Saturday and Florida on Sunday. His last stop is in Ohio on Monday, the eve of the election. Now let's go over to New York. Incumbent Governor Kathy Hochul held a campaign rally yesterday. Speakers included Vice President Kamala Harris and former U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. They focused on topics like voting rights, abortion and gun control. And today Jeremy Sandberg has more on Thursday's rally. Five days, we're going to get this done? Yeah. Democrat leaders came out to support Hochul in an effort to stem a possible red wave in New York. Speakers included Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and New York Attorney General Letitia James, among others. Former Secretary of State and two-time presidential candidate Hillary Clinton framed the upcoming midterms as more than just a choice between two candidates. It is a choice between two very different ideas about who we are as a state and a country, how we should work together or not, what kind of future we want for ourselves, our children, and our grandchildren. Hochul urged people to not be complacent and to get out and vote. And people feel like, I don't need to vote because somebody else will do it, it doesn't matter. That's what happens when complacency sets in. The former lieutenant governor took office last year after former governor Andrew Cuomo resigned to avoid a likely impeachment trial. I have steel running through my veins because of who I am and where I come from. I come from Buffalo, New York. I am a fighter. Hochul's 12-minute address focused mostly on voting rights and abortion. She almost completely omitted a major concern for New Yorkers, violent crime. Hochul has declared herself the underdog in the race. Her Republican challenger, Lee Zeldin, has been gaining in recent polls leading up to the election. His main focus has been on crime. Zeldin says he believes a crime emergency should be declared in the state and is willing to work with Democrats to solve the problem. I want to be able to write a story in 2023 of how well a Governor Zeldin is working with a Mayor Adams to save the city. New York has over twice as many registered Democrats than Republicans. It's been two decades since New Yorkers elected a Republican for governor. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. 
Arriving by helicopter, Representative Lee Zeldin made a pitch to voters in a rural town near Albany. He addressed the large crowd alongside Congresswoman Elise Stefanik and candidate for Lieutenant Governor Allison Esposito. Entity's Daniel Monahan has more. The silent majority is awake, and we are coming for our state back. Former NYPD Deputy Inspector Allison Esposito is running for Lieutenant Governor in New York. She emphasized the importance of the November 8th election, saying that freedom, safety, education, and self-determination are on the ballot. This is not a red wave, ladies and gentlemen. This is a common sense wave. This is a red, white, and blue wave. This is Republicans, Democrats, independents, and people who have never voted before standing up and saying enough. Meanwhile, a recent case has caused public outcry. A man named Adam Benefield was arrested for a vicious beating of his wife, Kira, which was caught on video. He was only charged with misdemeanors and was soon released due to New York's so-called bail reform, which includes no-cash bail laws. He is alleged to have then fatally shot his wife in front of their children within 24 hours of his release. Representative Elise Stefanik. And Kathy Hochul has embraced and is the leader of the defund the police Democrat Party, of the failed bail reform Democrat Party in New York. We back the blue. Stefanik then turned to gun rights, saying that New Yorkers have faced attacks on their Second Amendment rights from Hochul in Albany and from Democrat one-party government in Washington. In June of this year, the Supreme Court overturned a New York law that required showing a special need to get a permit to carry a concealed handgun in public. Hochul criticized the court ruling in August while announcing new gun control legislation which has since been challenged in court. They decided to strip away the rights of a governor to protect her citizens from gun violence. Representative Lee Zeldin then took the stage. He discussed high taxes, safety, and cost of living problems when mentioning that New York leads the country in out-migration. He then brought up his campaign Secure Our Streets plan. We all have a plan, but what we lack right now is a governor with a backbone to do the right thing, to back our men and women in law enforcement, to make sure that we're firing those rogue district attorneys who refuse to enforce the law. In a sign of how close the race has become, Democrat VIPs Hillary Clinton and Kamala Harris rallied in support of Hochul in Manhattan yesterday. Their message was elect Hochul to a full term or put abortion rights at risk. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. NTD live streamed both events on our website and YouTube channel. Republicans are projected to have a good night on November 8th in the U.S. Senate. That's according to a new forecast released yesterday from Real Clear Politics. The model predicts the GOP will control the Senate with 54 seats. Democrats are predicted to have 46 seats. The forecast says Republicans are now likely to take seats in Arizona, Nevada, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and New Hampshire. It comes as recent polls signal Americans are getting more and more dissatisfied with the direction the country is heading. Decades high inflation seems to remain the top issue for many voters. Over in Georgia, the U.S. Senate race is seen as a key contest. It could help determine which party controls the chamber. Recent polls have Senator Raphael Warnock and challenger Herschel Walker nearly tied. One poll has Warnock with a slight lead of two points. This despite Warnock spending much more on his campaign. Warnock has reportedly spent over $100 million so far. That makes it one of the most expensive Senate races in the nation. 
The race has the potential to go on to a runoff election. It could delay a majority in the chamber. A candidate must get over 50 percent of the vote in Georgia to win outright. If that doesn't happen, the runoff will be held on December 6th. And coming up, with new measures to prevent abortions in several states, will med students still receive proper training? We speak to an OBGYN about how it impacts her after the break. Welcome back. With abortion regulations changing across the country, some medical students now wonder if abortion training will still be accessible, especially in states with stronger bans. I spoke to an OBGYN to find out how the change in abortion law affects her and future doctors. Joining me now is Dr. Carice Trandum. She is an OBGYN based out of Florida. Good morning, Dr. Trandum. Good morning, thank you for having me. Now, med students are worried about their training in abortion procedures. I read, especially in states with abortion bans, because that is something they do need for their accreditation. So I'm wondering what you think about how it affects their training and the quality of their training. That's a great question. And the media is blowing that question a bit out of proportion because, in fact, medical students and residents in OBGYN know that they will, no matter where the state or the program, learn the actual procedure of how to take care of a miscarried pregnancy or a pregnancy that has passed away within the U.S. This is a bread and butter procedure by every single residency around our country and is part of the process of becoming board certified as an OBGYN. That is not under any uh, risk of being not taught. In states where abortion is illegal, that procedure will not be performed on living fetuses, but um, those residents will still learn the procedure of a dilation and curettage or a DNC uh, at all stages of pregnancy because unfortunately pregnancies do pass away at all stages. Interesting and now Florida where you're based out of also changed its laws recently. It made most abortions uh, illegal after 15 weeks and many doctors generally feel like with these restrictions they're being put at risk because of the legal implications. So how did it affect you? So most doctors actually are not afraid of legal implications because we know that we are protected to perform the duties that we need to perform regardless of gestational age if the mother's life is in danger. So amongst the OBGYNs in Florida and around the nation, we're crystal clear that ectopic pregnancies can still always be treated or um, the very rare cases where the mother's life would be in danger, which is less than 0.1% of all abortions those are still allowed in every single state. And there are headlines about the harm that uh, new abortion restrictions did, but you know, you say an abortion procedure by itself is also incredibly harmful. So I just wanna get your reaction on this issue. So as a practicing and board certified obstetrician and gynecologic surgeon, 
I am fully aware of the risks of abortion to women. And I, my first patient is the woman in front of me. And because of the risks that abortion holds, I do not recommend abortion. It's too risky for the women. And the major risk factors are fourfold. First is the risk of breast cancer. There's a 40% increased risk of breast cancer for moms who have had one abortion. Second, there's an 81% increased risk of chronic mental health condition after having had an abortion. That's a huge increased risk for dealing with a lifetime of depression, anxiety, or post-traumatic stress disorder. Third, there's a 36% increased risk of preterm birth if that woman is able to get pregnant again because of the risk of cervical damage during an abortion. And the fourth risk is uterine damage preventing future pregnancy requiring a blood transfusion or additional surgery. So because abortion we know is extremely risky to women, I always recommend to my patients either adoption as an option so that they can be protected through carrying their pregnancy or supporting them in their pregnancy uh, while they choose to parent. And they have those options, parenting or adoption, both are protective for their bodies and their emotional health as well. Mm. That's some very interesting points and some that is, it's very important to know um, when making a decision. So thank you so much, Dr. Carice Trandum. I really appreciate your insights today. It's been a joy to be with you. Thank you. The USS Tripoli, carrying a crew of nearly 1,200 people, arrived in Sydney Harbor today as part of routine operations in the Indo-Pacific. The America-class amphibious assault ship arrived to a gray day in Sydney with its crew standing on deck. The United States Embassy in Australia said the Tripoli is operating in the U.S. 7th Fleet area of operations and that it will work with allies and partners to defend peace and maintain stability in the Indo-Pacific region. Indian authorities today shut down critical infrastructure in order to mitigate the effects of pollution in New Delhi, the capital city. Factories and construction sites were closed and diesel-run vehicles were restricted in an effort to control haze and smog enveloping the skyline of the capital region. Water sprinklers and anti-smog guns were also deployed. Outdoor activity for older students was restricted and some schools shifted to online classes as the air quality index exceeded 470 10 times the global safety threshold. And coming up, the world's largest volcano on the island of Hawaii could erupt soon. We take a look and hear from scientists about what possible scenarios might occur. And meet what is possibly the smallest pony in the world. A miniature pony from Germany could be heading for the Guinness Book of Records. Welcome back. The largest active volcano in the world could erupt sometime soon. While scientists don't expect this to happen right away, residents on the Big Island of Hawaii are being told to prepare for the possibility. NTD's Kos Temenes tells us some things to know about the volcano. Mauna Loa is one of five volcanoes that together make up the Big Island of Hawaii. It's not the tallest volcano, but it's the largest and makes up about half of the island's landmass. It sits immediately north of Kilauea Volcano, which is currently erupting from its summit crater. 
Kilauea is well known for a 2018 eruption that destroyed hundreds of homes. There are a lot of similarities in the patterns that we're seeing at the volcano now to prior to 1984's eruption and prior to the 1975 eruption before that. And that is an increasing number of earthquakes below the summit of the volcano, um, some indication of deformation or swelling of the volcano as the shallow magmatic system is, is uh, receiving input of new magma. Mauna Loa's eruptions differ from Kilauea's in part because it is taller, allowing lava to rush down its steeper hillsides faster than Kilauea's. Its enormous size may allow it to store more magma, leading to larger lava flows when an eruption does occur. However, Hawaiian volcanoes like Mauna Loa tend not to have explosion eruptions, like the 1980 eruption of Mount St. Helens in Washington state. Volcanoes in Hawaii produce these very large, wide volcanoes that are called shield volcanoes, and that's because the composition of the magma um, that's being erupted there is very fluid. Uh, it's erupting fluid, hotter, and uh, drier magmas than here, say, in Alaska or at Mount St. Helens. Um, where the magmas are compositionally different. Scientists use tilt meters to track long-term changes in the tilting of the ground. A thermal webcam at Mauna Loa's summit detects the presence of heat. A rapid change in tilt and temperature can indicate when an eruption will occur. Cost MNS, NTD News. And at barely 20 inches tall, it certainly keeps its owner on its toes. On her toes, her little pony in Germany could be heading to the Guinness Book of Records for being the smallest in the world. Not to mention, it's really cute. Here's Entity's Costa Menace. On a small farm in the North Rhine-Westphalia area of Germany, Carola Weidemann keeps horses. She is particularly fond of her miniature Shetland pony Pumukel. At barely 50 centimeters or about 20 inches in height and a mere 80 pounds in weight, it is likely the smallest pony in the world. I've had Pumuko for around two and a half years. When I got him, he was around 46 or 47 centimeters tall, so he's not grown much since. He is a little dwarf. Just like ordinary people can give birth to children with dwarfism, so can horses. It's what happens in nature. Some people have dogs or cats, but rarely would one find a pony in the kitchen. Yet Pumuko happily feasts in the house. He's allowed to come in for breakfast, a privilege not given to the other ponies. But I make an exception for Pumuka. Then we have breakfast together and off we go. Pumukal accompanies Carola for equine therapy. Together, they visit daycare centers and old people's homes to provide comfort. Pumukal is such a lovable and kind creature. You just can't help yourself. You just want to cuddle him and stroke him, just genuinely be affectionate with him. He's a sweetheart, like a plushy toy, and he's just such an amazing friend. Carola won't know until next year whether Pumukal really is the smallest pony in the world as the Guinness Book of Records only accepts miniature ponies from the age of four. That means I have to wait for a little longer. In the meantime, I hope this little one doesn't grow much more so that we'll still have a chance at getting into the Guinness Book of Records. That would be awesome with this little guy. The current record for smallest pony is from Poland and stands at just over 56 centimeters. Kostem NTD News. Wow, 
So cute. It's basically the size of a dog. Yeah, those little hooves. It, you know, it just reminds me of the stark contrast between these big workhorses I've seen that are just like towering. Did you just towering. see that? Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> okay, so on to another animal story. Have you ever seen a pelican? The large bird can often be seen fishing alone or in groups, but during migration season, it's quite a different scene. Every spring, hundreds of millions of birds pass through Israel during migration season. They're on their way north to Europe and Asia, preferring an overland route to riskier skies above the sea. In a farm in Kibbutz on the Mediterranean coast, tons of fish that would otherwise have been thrown away are dumped in a pond where thousands of pelicans flock. These migrating pelicans are often seen as competitors for commercial fishing. Gorging on commercial fish deemed unfit for human consumption has created a win-win solution. The unwanted fish are disposed of and they provide relief for the country's fisheries. What a sight and how convenient. I know it is. Yeah, pelicans are so cool. I spotted some when I was in Florida a few years ago. And you know, it's pretty cool. They have a lot of migratory birds that go there. Oh, right. But probably in a not that amount of pelicans at one time. <laughs> yeah. Wow, pretty crazy. But we're ending the program here. As usual, you can see our email address on screen right now. So write us at goodmorning at ntd.com if you'd like. Have a great weekend. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.